Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Hey, you look so good. Thank you for coming today. Uh, Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, first Wednesday, remember first Wednesday of every month? Was that an unbelievable service or what? We're, we're starting a whole new thing on explaining the spiritual gifts in a way that we can understand them, and then actually doing some laboratory work experimenting with those. And, uh, and then Saturday morning was great in prayer time, and we saw those gifts working. And so I really encourage you to uh, come and be with us on Saturday morning's prayer. <clears throat> and also let me say this. We're living in a world, I was reading a thing this week, and it said that if you ever want to be a successful journalist, you've got to learn to sell fear. Right? That's true. I mean, that's right out of the books. There's a, 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 a newspaper in the Middle West that decided they were going to change their format. Instead of putting negative bad news on the front, they're going to put good news. Their subscriptions plummeted. Because it's just something about that, that bad news sells. So I know, and I'm not diminishing uh, this virus that's going around. I'm going to do everything I can to uh, be smart and uh, help myself. But I'm also not going to let fear control my life. Because fear would try to keep you from doing anything, right? So here at the Father's house, we know that we traditionally greet at the front door with handshakes, sometimes with the hugs. So we're saying for a period of time that if you don't want a handshake, if you don't want a hug, just uh, give somebody a fist pump or a holy elbow bump and, uh, or just a holy wave. So you, you could practice creative waves of waving. Seriously. You know, if, if you want a handshake, you know, you go ahead and shake somebody's hand. But if you really feel like that you just want to guard yourself, then it's all right to just smile at somebody and say, hey, love you anyway. Okay? Do you, do you understand that? So I hope you understand that. We, uh, we want to do that. So um, for whatever it is. All right? You have your Bible. You have your iPhone, your iPad, your eyeballs. Let's say this. We say it every week. It comes from our heart. Let's say it. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a disciplined mind. And so we thank you for that. And uh, we thank you that we have the opportunity to look into your word even though we may look at a familiar passage of Scripture today, would you give us uh, nuggets out of this of revelation of things that we haven't seen? We declare, Lord, that we are your children, and we are on a battlefield, and we are more than victorious through you. Those are more than just words. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would anoint me, because without you, I can do nothing. In your name, Jesus, I pray, amen. You know, just having a war cry... Uh, there's more to this whole battle than just having the war cry. We need to engage, right? 
there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, I know God needs to do this in my life, and one day I'm going to surrender my life to God in this area. One day I'm going to start tithing. One day I'm going to start this. And, uh, and, and so a lot of times we just get in that place that we're just in indecision. You ever seen anybody that's just indecisive? It's just like life has too many choices for them to make, and they don't know which one. And uh, maybe you know somebody like, like this, this lady here. Go. Next, please. Hi, what can I get for you? So there's tea or coffee, tea or coffee, tea or coffee. Um, uh, I'll have a coffee. A coffee, yeah. Okay. Nailed it. Oh, iced or hot? Time for some Netflix. That, that's a lot of options. Am I feeling comedy? Oh, maybe some action. They have Disney movies on here too? Well, I did want to start House of Cards. Why are there so many options? I'm tired. So would you rather have Nicolas Cage be around you at all times or have Nickelback narrate your entire life? Nicolas Cage is creepy, but Nickelback sucks. Uh, it's just a, just a question. I just wanted to make small talk. Ugh. Hey, Michelle. Do you want to watch a movie tonight? Ooh, Sierra or Willow? Hey, what's this? Oh my god, when did they get new filters? Hey, do you want to go to lunch? Yeah, sure. Where do you want to go? I just need a simple deodorant. Hmm, I guess I could get Dove again. Wait, is that a new scent of secret? Oh, that's good. Well, uh, this one's good too. Oh, wait, I know what to do. Four and a half stars for secret. Thank you, Amazon. What'd you get? Oh, I got some deodorant, secret. Nice, I used to use that one. You, you. <laughs> Indecision. Here's what you need to know. Indecision makes my decision. Indecision makes my decision. People say, well, no, someday I'm going to surrender my life to the Lord. That indecision, that someday you've just decided I'm not surrendering to the Lord. Someday we're going to really get serious about attending church. We're going to get serious about volunteering. We're going to go through growth tracks someday, 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 and then and we don't have the promise of tomorrow, right? There's a story in the Bible, and it's very familiar to all of us, uh, that is talking about indecision, indecision, and how that indecision became a decision for them and was bringing defeat in their life. It's a story of David and Goliath. And uh, as we know the story of David and Goliath, we're all so familiar with that. And sometimes we read that and we overlook some of the little nuggets that God wants to share to us. So I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And let's, uh, let's read some of these things and see what the Lord would say to us today about war cry is more than just a bunch of noise. Chapter 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines, you know, that's the enemy of God's people, gathered their armies together to battle. Look at that. They gathered their armies to battle. Uh, and they were gathered at Sokah, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokah 
and Azelka and Ephes and Daman. And Saul, the man of Israel, and the man of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array. Would you underline that or look at that? It says battle array against the Philistines. That opening video, they were gathered in battle array. In other words, the, uh, the one army was here. They had their swords. They had their shields. And they were gathered in battle array. If you watch the movie, you know, uh, on the other side was the other army. England was standing there. They had all of theirs. So that's the picture. You have a, a, a mountain, a hillside here, a mountain, a hillside here. The Philistines are over here, right at the base of that one. And the, and the Israel is over here, right at the base of this. And in the middle, in the valley, in the valley of decision, is indecision. All right? So that's, and they're, they're getting ready. So every day, uh, they're, they're getting ready for battle. Uh, verse uh, 8 through 11. And he stood, Goliath, and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, <clears throat> Why have you come out to line up for battle? That's the same phrase of getting in battle array. In other words, you've come out, gathered for battle. And he says, how long are we going to carry this on? I am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? So here's what we'll do. You choose for yourself a man and let him come down to me. In other words, let's stop this just meeting here in the valley of indecision. Let's make a decision. I'm here. Now all you need to do is just pick one man out and send him out here to fight with me. And if I prevail against him and kill him, you'll be our servants. And uh, if he kills me, we'll be your servants. The Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were what? Dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 16. And the Philistine drew near Goliath and presented himself, how many days? Morning and evening. So, let's do our math here. Don't, don't take out your calculator. Let's see if we can master this one. So how many times have they gathered in battle array up to now? 80 times. Every morning and every evening, Israel got out, weapons, war cry, ready, the enemy, the, everything they had, war cry, and they're ready. 80 times they've gathered making noise. 80 times they've gathered in their uniforms, 80 times they stared across and realized that's the enemy, and 80 times, no decision. Now look at verses 20 and 24. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him, his dad. He was bringing cheese and crackers to his brothers. And he came to the camp as the army was going, what? Out to fight. And shouting for the battle. They were going out to do what? And they were doing what? But they weren't doing what? They weren't fighting. Making a lot of noise. Declaring who they are. Oh, we are God's privileged people. Whoa, God chose us. We're the seed of Abraham. Oh, we've come out of this. And here we are. Look, look at us. Can't you just tell God's anointing is on us of how we live? They're going out with all the words, all the actions. But no fight. 
And David left his supplies for Israel. The Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, there was this champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, uh, coming up from the armies of the Philistine, and he spoke them these words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, underline that, when they saw the man, they did what? They fled from him and were greatly afraid. When they saw the man, when they saw the challenge, they heard the words. They were ready. They had war cry. They had the, the costumes on, uh, the armor, and they came out to the battle. But when they saw the man, when they saw how big the challenge was, all of a sudden, they began to feel like they were nothing. You see, that can be the way that we are. We can, the enemy can come against us. He is like the Goliath. He comes against us with thoughts. He comes against us with, us with feelings. And we say all these things, oh, man, I've got this. You know, I'm, we come to church. We sing those songs. Everything is great. But then by the time we get to the parking lot, we face that Goliath, and we look at it, and we say, this problem's too big. You see, Israel looked at Goliath and said, he's too big to hit. David said, he's too big to miss. He's too big to miss. I mean, God has dropped him right here. And so, uh, so they had the war cry. Remember last week we started this series on war cry? And we said that a war cry is to empower the troops, give them hope, strength, what lays ahead of them. Uh, football teams, basketball teams have a war cry, something that they cry out, you know. For the last couple of years, I've watched Anita uh, you, you know, she's a Florida State alumni, and um, she's, she's, she's like really into this whole thing of sports, and she watches her team dwindle in the last few years, and, uh, and, uh, and, and so don't laugh, you chompers, you, uh, you've lost your teeth before and had to gum, and gum the enemy to death, and you've lost, so all right, so there we go. Chris is not in here, so I can't pick up on Alabama right now, but anyway. But, you know, I, I, I watch the people in the stands. The stands are almost empty, which is unusual. And you see them do the, what is it, the tomahawk chop or whatever? Oh, something like that. That's sort of a mixture of Tarzan, isn't it? Sorry. But I even noticed that it wasn't like, oh, yeah, yeah, man. It was like, Okay. But isn't that a picture of us when we feel like the battle is more than we can handle? Instead of really being into it, we say all the right things. We, we sing, we, we worship. When, when Andrea said, raise your hands and worship, we, we do that. But in the battle, back of our mind, we think, I've done this before and it hasn't made a difference. I've been to this place before. And it doesn't make a difference. So I'm not sure I'll ever get through this thing. And so the enemy comes. But, but the Lord's given us a war cry. Like, remember what I said last week? The war cry when the Lord started with Moses and went all the way through Exodus chapter 6. Remember what the war cry was? Say it with me. Rock, Kazak. Yeah, great. We have a t-shirt that help you with that. On the front, it says war cry. And then on the back, say it with me. Rock, Kazak, Amatz. And what does rock Kazak Amatz mean? Say it again. 
Be strong and courageous. That's the war cry. And, and, and it went all the way through. We looked at a dozen scriptures last week. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go back and look at that. And so 80 times they get in ready for battle. They give the war cry. But I wonder how many times it was until that war cry began to diminish. Maybe at first, the first 50 days it was, oh, yeah, let's go. We got it. And then after that it was, okay, come on, guys. Chop, chop, chop. Because you see, when you, when you face the same battle over and over and over, but the enemy hasn't moved, we get to the place that we think, well, maybe it's going to be like this for the rest of my life. A war cry was never meant to be just empty words. You say, well, how does that apply to us? Oh, we do things like this. Remember this? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then we continually be defeated. We give up. We, get, we sing shouts. Or we say, I am more than a conqueror. I am strong and courageous. Rock, kazak, amats. And then before we get to the parking lot, a Goliath comes against us and we get into that same conflict again. Saturday night, maybe you were out last night, you got drunk. You barely made it today. But here you are worshiping the Lord. Or maybe last night you were on the internet late in the night with pornography. But here you are today, rock kazakamats, I'm strong and courageous. Maybe here you are, and, you, and you've compromised your life in some way, and then you show up. You see, our life is full of Goliaths that we never fight, but we just look at and talk about them. Yeah, I'm, I'm fighting this battle. I'm really fighting. The enemy, he's, he's, he's taking my kids. I dedicated them to God, and, and it's like the enemy has captured them. And oh, Yeah, my, my spouse used to have, I mean, my... Like, you could never put them down. But now they're just defeated. Just defeated. I remember years ago, my dad was always very strong, a hard, hardworking guy. But he went through a serious bout of deep depression. And I remember he would sit over in the corner, like, like a, just like a, a, a little help, helpless kid. And my mom would have to go up and say, come on, Cliff, let's, let's go now and take him by the hand and lead him. And my dad would just follow along like that. And I, and I watched that. But I also begin to remember my mom praying and saying things like this. Depression, you will not have this strong man of God. But I wonder today, how many of us have yielded to the enemy's attack and we see somebody who used to be on fire for God really, I mean, were strong. I mean, they were the head of the house or they were a very godly woman. But now, because of circumstances, because of a battle, they become wimpy and washy and nothing. And then we just say, well, I guess maybe one of these days they may pop out of this. But what if we just start saying, I'm tired of just war cries. It's time to get in the valley, in the valley of decision and say, no more, Satan. You're not going to have this territory. Listen to David's war cry. Look at verses 36 and 37. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, read it with me, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear. How, how did he do it? Did, was it David's strength? It was what? The Lord. He says, he's going to deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. 
And here's the remarkable thing. Don't, don't overlook it. Look at this. And Saul, the king, said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Excuse me? Saul's not a dumb man. He knows the challenge. And the challenge is this. Goliath said, send me a man. A boy will do, I guess. Send me a man. And whoever wins, then we'll be their servants. Now think about that. How could Saul, because, you know, he tries to get David to put his armor on, but David said, no, I'm not going to. But how could Saul say, we're Israel is going to surrender to this five foot four young lad against a nine foot eight inch Goliath overgrown amplifier. And we're putting all of our chips on you, David. Have you ever stopped to think about that? What was it that made King Saul, who had this vast army, what was it that changed his mind and said, we're going to put all of our confidence in you? I believe there was something about the war cry of David. War, David's war cry wasn't just in words, but it was something that went deeper to that from his heart and saying, the Lord has never let me down. The Lord has never let me down. I may have gone through battles. He went through an attack, right? The lion, we don't know how, how much he fought. I mean, he may have scars that when you get to heaven, you'll see it. He may have bear marks in the back of his neck. We don't know that. You don't just get in a fight with a bear and walk away. You know, he doesn't say, okay, go ahead, little boy. No, it's a battle. You see, the things that you've been through, you've got battle marks. You've got Why? Because God let you go through a small skirmish so that he could bring you to the place where you're sitting right now in a warfare, and you can say, he brought me through that, he brought me through that, he brought me through that, and he will bring me through this battle that I'm facing now. If that's ever happened to you, give the Lord a hand clap right now. The last several weeks, I've just been asking, why do people give a war cry, but they never battle. Why do we come to church on Sunday morning and give a war cry? We sing songs and we do those and we read scriptures. But then we leave and we don't battle all week long. We don't take back any of darkness. We don't, we don't even battle for ourselves or for our family. We just assume, well, it's, you know, it's, it's good. Case of Ross. No, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. So let me just suggest a few things why people never get involved in a battle. Number one, they become indifferent and fearful. They become indifferent and fearful, and they lose their passion. Remember when you first became a believer? Man, I mean, you, when I said earlier about, you know, ch ch chasing hell with a water pistol, you say, yeah, man, I, that's it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. But then as years go on, as the battles go on, how many times do we become indifferent and fearful and we lose our passion? Are you still as passionate today as you were when the Lord still came, first came into your life? If not, my question is why? Have you been in indecision? Is it time to make a decision? Saul, verse 11, and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were shattered and broken. You see, people who fear, people who are afraid run. People who are passionate fight. If I give in to fear, 
I give in to fear, then I'm going to run. Instead of running to Jesus, I'm going to run from him. You drop out of church, you drop out of life group, you don't serve anymore, you don't tithe anymore, you don't give anymore. People who are afraid run. People who are passionate fight. I believe the majority of you that are here today are people that are passionate and say, you know what, I'm not afraid of the enemy. My confidence is in the Lord. Fear keeps us from fighting the Goliaths in our life. Fear will keep us from fighting the Goliaths in our life. Number two, the reason that people don't get involved in a battle is they become defensive and concede to a stronghold. They become defensive and concede to a stronghold. Look back at verse 1 and don't miss this. Now the Philistines, the enemy, gathered their armies together to battle and they gathered at Sukkoth, which belongs to Judah. So in, in other words, the very property that the Philistines were standing on belonged to Judah, which belonged to God, and they're standing on land that is not theirs. It's not their inheritance. And it's sort of like Israel has said, okay, well, now they've gone from offense to defense. We'll give you that. Will you just stay at Soko? Will you just stay there? We'll give you that, but don't come any closer. Now, can you imagine if the United States of America, if the enemy came and took over Florida, can you imagine our army and you saying, okay, we'll give you Florida, those old people. As long as you promise us that you won't come any closer. Just promise us you won't come any closer. Where is it in your life that you've conceded territory of your mind, your heart, your family to the enemy? The enemy has come into your inheritance, into who you are, who your family is, and he's established territory. You see, that's why the scripture says, give no give no territory to the enemy because when you open up a door a little bit and give him a place he comes there when you open up the door of pornography when you open up the door of an offense when you open up the door of anger it gives him legal right into that area of your life and then you say, I don't know, I've lost my joy, I've lost my peace, I don't know what has happened. And the Lord will say, it's because you've yielded territory that I've already redeemed. You've yielded that to the enemy, and he's taken your joy because you've conceded the victory that I've already given you. So where in your life have you done that? And number three, they lose focus on the real issue. They lose focus on the real issue. See, when you're, in a, when you're in a battle, we forget about the real issue is that we are all in a spiritual battle. It's not, you don't get saved and then it's peace, love, joy, happiness, and no problems, right? Anybody told you that, they lied to you. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have battles, but it's okay, I've overcome the evil one and I'm going to be with you, okay? I'm going to be with you. This world is not my home. This world is a battleground. This world, I'm taking back territory that the enemy had. Remember after World War II, the peace was there. Peace was signed. The United States won the war. 
But yet there were pockets of territories in the Pacific Islands where some of those Japanese soldiers didn't believe any of those reports. And some of them fought for another, I don't know how many years. I read the other day on the internet that one Japanese soldier, after 60 years, came out. 60 years he didn't believe. He didn't believe. He was standing on territory he thought that still believe, belonged to them because they took that. But some of, some of the people you know fought in that battle. The battle is over. And we say, well, then why do we have to keep fighting? Because the enemy doesn't just yield territory. You have to come in and you have to move him out and say, you will not have this area in my life. You will not have my family. You'll not have my marriage. You'll not have my husband. You'll not have my wife. You see, and then all we think about is the problems we're dealing with now. And we miss the main issue is that we're in spiritual warfare, sort of like this lady, watch her. She lost focus. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just. Sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't... Try to see things my way. Oh. It's obvious, isn't it? But we're so focused. I, I don't know why I'm going through all this. I can't believe, you know, I'm, I'm praying, I'm seeking God, and, and it's just, I, I, I just have no peace. I have no... Well, time out. We're in a spiritual battle. Don't give me any of that stuff. I don't want any of that stuff about a spiritual battle. I know it's, it's, it's not a battle. It's, the obvious is, we're in a spiritual battle because the enemy doesn't want to give up your victory. He doesn't want you to give glory to God. The, the ultimate priority is I want to give glory to God in my victory. It's not that I can be pain-free, but that I can give God the glory. Look at this. They said, look, look at this big giant. He's impossible. And David said, I see a mortal man that's defying the army of God. They saw us versus Goliath. David said, no, it's not David versus Goliath. It's the God whose hand is on my life against Goliath. He's so big, the battle that you're facing. But on day 81 stood a young man that said, enough of this. We're not going to back off anymore. Uh, here, here's the greatest thing about this. Pastor Ben reminded me of this this morning. 
when it's time for battle, David doesn't walk up to the big challenge. What's he do? He runs toward it. Because if he just walked up, meandered up, and looked at the problem, how big it is, Goliath's going to be about twice the size that he is. But he wasn't looking at the man. He was looking beyond the man. He was looking at the God who rules and reigns, who's already worked in his heart. And he said, you're coming down. I'm bringing you down. This giant is coming down. So what is it for you today? Where is it in your life? What giant is it that you're facing today that you would say, you know what, I, I just don't, I'm going to ask the team to come back up and help me out here because I think we need to end out with a, with a real war song today. And, and, and not just words, but I, I'd like for us to really just sort of check ourselves out this morning and say, where am I? Where am I? Am I just going through the motions uh, or, or, am I, or, or what am I doing? So we want to look at that today because we don't want to magnify on, on, on uh, what's really not the problem. We want to focus on God. But where are you today? Maybe it's with your kids. And the enemy has come right into your house. And through rebellion, he's pulled your kids away. And, and you've, you've even quit praying for them. You've even lost sight that unless they change their ways, they're going to spend an eternity separated from God. I think it's time for us to say, hell no. Heaven, yes. I think it's time for us to stand up and say, hell, you're not coming any closer. But I'm saying, heaven, yes. I pray that into my life, into my family, into this church. We're not going to make our community safer by more legislation. We're going to make our community safer when we ascend into the heavenlies and we begin to pull down God's peace and God's blessings upon us and around us. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, and I want us to sing this song, this, this war song, and I want us to declare, I'm not in the valley of indecision anymore, but I'm deciding I'm going to take back what the enemy has stolen from me. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.